0: Welcome back to the podcast series Boundless Science, brought to you by Streaming Science, a student-driven program that works to connect you with scientists to learn how science impacts all of us in our everyday lives and interests. I'm Christine Westenhaver, a fourth-year agricultural education and communication student at the University of Florida, and I'm your host. Joining us today is Zoe Strobisher, a biological scientist at the University of Florida's Institute for Food and Agricultural Sciences, Indian River Research and Education Center in Fort Pierce, Florida. Zoe works in the lab, the field, and with our stakeholders towards a more sustainable way for natural resources and agriculture to coexist. Throughout this podcast, I hope you learn more about Zoe and gain insight into the lab's work. so why don't we just start off and tell us a little bit about yourself and your position um, at the Indian River Research and Education Center. Yeah, of course.
1: So, yes, my name is Zoe Strobisher, and I am a biological scientist at the Indian River Research and Education Center, uh, specifically part of the Smart Irrigation and Hydrology Lab. Uh, and so a little bit about what it means to be a biological scientist. So I help manage and facilitate a lot of the research projects that students and postdocs are working on part of our lab as well as assisting in ongoing research. But in addition, I'm also have the ability to kind of work on some other research projects on my own as well. So it's a nice combination of assisting and managing and uh, helping keeping a lot of research projects going as well as able to do some of my own uh, writing and project design as well.
0: For those of us who have never heard of it before, um, can you tell us what the uf IFIS Indian River Research and Education Center is? Yeah, so we are
1: a uh, research and education center in Fort Pierce, Florida. And so, uh, IFAS has a number of kind of off-campus research centers all around Florida that kind of gets different perspectives of the areas, essentially. And so at the Indian River Research and Education Center, we have a diverse group of uh, research researchers here. So we have everything from plant pathology labs to, you know, ag engineering labs to root biology, like all over soil science, soil water sciences. We have kind of a hand on a lot of different areas that all goes on in one research center, which is unique because it allows us to collaborate really well, where while I'm not an expert, say in horticulture, I have a lot of uh, brilliant horticultural scientists just across the hall. So it's a really fun way to collaborate with lots of different disciplines, but also to be in the field where we're surrounded by lots of different ag industries. But we're, in our particular location in Fort Pierce, we're also backed right up alongside of a lot of developing residential industry. You know, we have. Uh, the freshwater systems, we have marine water systems. So specifically at the Indian River Research and Education Center, we have an interesting crossroads between agriculture, urban, um, you know, we have an entomology lab right here as well that gives you different perspective on invasive species. And so it's a a fun uh, interdisciplinary research center to be part of.
0: How did you like get into this role, and like what did you do to be in this position?
1: Yeah, for sure. So I went to school and got my uh, biochemistry degree in Michigan, and right after that, I was hired at a nonprofit and doing some uh, research in uh, ocean research and conservation. And specifically, my role there was kind of tracking pollutants in water and kind of making these water quality maps around the Indian River Lagoon and the St. Lucie Rivers to kind of identify hot spots of where water quality is at the lowest and at the highest in these areas. And so after that, I was looking to move to a kind of a different role and saw that the Smart Irrigation and Hydrology Lab was looking for a biological scientist. And so I applied there and it was a really nice uh, connection because a lot of the work that I was doing at the Ocean Research and Conservation Association, a lot of what we were finding is need for improvement of water quality in some of the agricultural sectors. And now being part of the Smart Irrigation Hydrology Lab, I am able to work directly with how we can improve water quality in
0: those agricultural sectors. So it was a nice connection that kind of moved into this problem. How do you work um, to reduce the environmental impact that agriculture can have on the land in your position?
1: Yeah, yeah. So our lab specifically looks at um, essentially maximizing crop production while minimizing the environmental impacts in terms of water. So we want to be able to reduce the amount of water needed uh, to grow a healthy crop. We don't want to have any negative impacts on the crop, but we want to be using just the precise amount of water and nutrients to raise it. And this is going to be a practice called uh, precision agriculture. So we want to help develop systems that only water absolutely when necessary and so specifically what our lab uses often are soil moisture probes and soil moisture sensors and so we are looking at improving the use and adoption of soil moisture probes and sensors. Uh, While there's a lot of technologies out there that are really fantastic about saving water They're kind of hard to use in the field sometimes, especially on such a large production scale. And so we have a lot of different projects going on to identify, you know, what technologies are the best at saving water or, you know, what do growers prefer to use? Like, what's the easiest for growers to use? What are the easiest to adopt? What are economically the, you know, feasible technologies? And Trying to create systems that just overall make it easier on growers to save water because growers are very busy and they are dealing with a lot of different problems. So we want to make, you know, precision irrigation a very
0: easy and adaptable option for farmers to use. So it sounds like you're looking for ways like agriculture and natural resources can coexist in a sustainable way. What are some of the challenges like or some of the biggest challenges, I would say, because there's a lot. Some of the main challenges like you see every day with like the coexist of both of those things. Yeah, I mean,
1: there's there's a lot of like you said, there's a lot of challenges when it comes to some using this sort of technology. I mean, <laughs> I'd say challenge one is technology's hard. Another challenge with working in terms of, like you said, we're looking at natural resources and as well as with agriculture. Sometimes those worlds don't like to get along. When you're looking at growers versus policymakers, maybe versus environmentalists or versus the general public, sometimes those groups don't have the best relationship with each other. And that can really inhibit, you know, a lot of growth. Uh, And a personal goal for me is I want to be able to improve some of that communication because the researchers maybe don't know very well the problems that go on in the farm. We're not going to be able to develop better systems, you know, for a farmer to use. And if, you know, the say policymakers may not be so uh in tune with what the research is going on and so being able to kind of unify some of these groups that don't necessarily always get along i think that could really help improve the experience for everybody including the farmer you know to grow uh, better solutions and so yeah i mean the environmental problems are big but also the social problems in research you know those, those could be really big challenges that you have to navigate very carefully so
0: so you focus on phosphorus sustainability correct
1: yeah one of some of our, one of our projects that we're focusing on is on phosphorus sustainability and it is we are a small part of a very big group called the sustainable technologies for phosphorus sustainability center
0: So what is phosphorus and working towards the sustainability of it? Like, what does that look like if someone doesn't know what agriculture, like necessarily all the inputs to agriculture are or how we can be more sustainable when it comes to phosphorus in our agriculture?
1: Yeah, so phosphorus is a nutrient and it's a critical nutrient for life, essentially. I mean, if you know of ATP, you know, it's what gives you the energy to literally move Um, that is phosphorus, that is found by phosphorus. Um, Phosphorus is a necessary element for everything on this earth. However, it is like, like anything can cause issues in abundance. So when we apply phosphorus to the crops, it allows them to grow healthier and bigger. However, if when we're applying too much phosphorus, and this goes the same for nitrogen too, the two big ones that we talked about are nitrogen and phosphorus. When we apply too much nitrogen and phosphorus, when we apply water or it rains, this nitrogen and phosphorus runs off into the waterways. And we start to get a large accumulation of nutrients into these waterways, which in turn can contribute to algal blooms. Uh, These blooms end up uh, depleting the water of oxygen and end up putting a lot of um, toxins into the water and creates a really disastrous system for all the surrounding waterways. But it's a bit of a problem because we can't stop applying nutrients to crops, but we need to find a way to kind of reduce those nutrients so that they aren't running off into the waterways. And so part of the phosphorus... uh, this, the step center, as we call it, the, our goal is sort of coming together to research ways that we can reduce human dependence on phosphorus by 25% in 25 years. So some of the ways that we can reduce not the phosphorus use is like through precision fertigation. So what we talk about in this sort of world of precision irrigation are the four ours. So this is going to be the right rate, the right source, the right placement and the right time. So following all of those rules, only applying exactly the amount of, uh, say, phosphorus that you need at the right with the right method, because you can, you know, you, there's a lot of different methods. You could do like a slow release or you could do a spray or you could do like an injection. Um, so depending on your area, you need to figure out the right method of uh, figuring out where the right placement is and only doing it at the correct time. Like if you were to say to apply phosphorus, you know, in the middle of a rainstorm, you know, it's going to run off. So you want to only apply under the correct conditions. That way, you can still get the crops the nutrients they need, but you don't have so much extra that it runs into the waterways.
0: So, what are some of the inputs that affect your work and research towards phosphorus sustainability? So, I know you just went over the four R's and everything. Um, Are there any other inputs that might affect the work and the research um, that go into this sustainability? Um, I mean, yeah, like we were saying
1: earlier, I mean, the, the things that kind of affect research. Sensors, tech that always takes you by surprise and doesn't function quite the way you think it's going to. Um, the environmental factors uh, really can throw us off sometimes. I did not expect in South Florida, we'd have to be worrying about crops freezing, but that's a concern that we have. Certain crops down here, with uh, we're growing, we're in a, we're in a tropical, subtropical so region, and we have to be really careful about temperature sometimes, in January especially, so that those have impacts. Sometimes policy, policies change, and we have to roll with those policy changes that we were not necessarily uh, expecting. You know, politics definitely affects us, and so we have to be ready for some of those changes that happen overnight.
0: We, and that's just part of the game, you know. I know you mentioned um, like all the different stakeholders, like your growers, policymakers, environmentalists. Could you tell us a little bit about how like the stakeholders that you deal with directly or indirectly like might have an input on that as well?
1: Oh, yeah. Primary stakeholders being our farmers, but other stakeholders like our, uh, our, our funding agencies. We work really close with all of our funding agencies and reporting back successes and challenges and adapting to those challenges. Another interesting stakeholder uh, is private industry. And some, it'll be really interesting to work with the private industry sometimes where they hear what we do. They hear that we uh, deal with technologies that are water saving. And so often we'll have maybe a private industry present us with a new technology and they would like us to test it and find, you know, and what we can do is we can test it and we find, you know, strengths or weaknesses. Uh, to that technology, and sometimes that gets kind of complicated. This too, you know, uh, wanting to hear the good news, and sometimes it's not all good news. In fact, often there's always the good things and bad things to new technologies. So that's an interesting uh, stakeholder that we get to work with as well. And it, it it's definitely a benefit to be able to work on all grounds: with farmers, with industry, with policy and research, you know, we get to see the whole circle of what's all going on in agriculture. We also like to work with uh, the community as well. We do a lot of extension um, and outreach events where we can kind of educate the public. And something that I engage, I, I, I experience a lot, are people are surprised to hear that there is research going on. And I think a lot of people know there's problems with the environment, that they hear there's a lot of problems with water quality, and they hear a lot that is connected to agriculture. Um, And sometimes that puts kind of an, an unfair pressure on farmers that there's also a lot of solutions. And that's nice to be able to talk to the public and let them know, like there's actually a lot of solutions being pursued as well. And on all sides, everybody's working hard to make it better. So that's um, a fun one that I like to be able to do is talk with a lot of the, uh, with the public about the solutions that we are pursuing because we get so bogged down often with, you know, bad news and, kind of crisis and drama and everything's falling apart, but you don't hear as much uh, the progress. So that's, it's nice to be able to reach out that there is progress. There's a lot that needs to be done, but I think for the most part, everybody's on the same side. We all want to be getting better and
0: there's a lot of positives to it. So I know you mentioned earlier about like in 25 years reducing by 25%. Are there any other long-term goals of the research and work that you do? I would say, I don't know about
1: any like hard goals, like by this year you have this much, but I definitely have the goal of creating a much more um, collaborative and interdisciplinary relationships between all of these groups. Um, I really want to help heal some of those really deep hurts and these tensions that go between agriculture and industry and environmentalists and policy. There's some very deep mistrust and very deep pain that rifts between a lot of those groups. And personally, I hope to be able to heal or at least bridge some of those hurts and start having more collaborative talks and having a much more uh, peaceful relationship between some of these groups so that we can progress and find solutions together as opposed to sometimes where we get it's like there's a lot of fighting between these groups and a lot of frustration and if we can heal some of those relationships I'm sure we can accomplish so much and that's my personal goal I'd say as a lab we definitely want to improve precision irrig- irrigation and incorporate AI uh, into in, and machine learning into these systems so that we can create a really Holistic system of irrigation and sustainability that improves the experience for the growers as well as for the community. You know that it can improve the environment. It can improve uh, everybody's lives. So, I'd say the goal of the lab definitely to keep pursuing these precision irrigation methods and improving the experiences for everyone and all of the stakeholders.
0: Speaking of the goals that have to do with community members, um, what are some things like we as community members, even if we aren't around like Indian river or anything, like how can we help your cause maybe get more involved with protecting um, and supporting a sustainable relationship between ag and the environment?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, While we're working to save water on the very large scale of agriculture, pretty much all of the principles that we follow are completely adaptable to people's own homes. And one of our extension activities is teaching people of all ages how to build their own soil moisture indicator. And this is going to be an activity that is soon available online, I believe. Uh, and it teaches you how to make your own indicator from materials that you can just order off of Amazon and use it in your home. And it teaches people how to use less water right in your own yard because that can be a huge impact as well while we're doing this in ag people can do it in their own homes and like i said earlier i mentioned right rate right source right placement right timing this is all applicable in your own backyard i mean reducing the amount of water so only use only irrigating when you absolutely have to so you can kind of pay more attention to the weather patterns oh maybe i shouldn't turn on my sprinklers it looks like it's about to rain or maybe it rained last night or you know maybe there's you know those sort of indications and paying attention to what type of fertilizer you're putting on, or if you even have to be adding fertilizer to your yards or your plants. Um, oftentimes, in certain areas, there will be uh, certain fertilization recommendation or, or uh, fertilizer bans and sort of things like that when the water quality is really poor in certain seasons. So, uh, paying attention to those sort of things when you shouldn't, when you should, or when you shouldn't be applying and Kind of just being a little more of a, aware of when you add water or fertilizer and how much and you know, that sort of things and looking at the recommendations for your area because it can change depending on where you are. So all of what we pay attention to in the field, people can absolutely pay attention to in their own homes. And it ultimately affects the same water source. I mean, we would all be working to improve the water quality right here. So it, we would definitely be working together if we're able to improve agriculture as well as, you know, your own urban,
0: you know, home is that we can work together. So how has your experience been as a woman in um, the field of research and agriculture? I think being a
1: woman in agricultural research, a lot of times you're kind of fighting expectations or you're kind of proving certain expectations wrong. And so whenever I am dealing with research or if I'm out in the field, no one quite expects me to be the one that's going to get their hands dirty or the one that's going to be, you know, grabbing the shovel and stepping, like loading stuff into the tractor that I'm going to be the one that's crunching all the numbers or fixing the sensors or, you know, writing the code that's going to fix kind of the the problem. And so it's, it's kind of fun to get to prove certain perspectives wrong where they, where I'm not looked at to be the one that's really going to be getting all involved in the dirt, but also getting all involved in the computers and the technology either. And it's kind of fun to watch people try and figure it out sometimes
0: (laughs) what I'm going to do next. (laughs) Those are all the questions I have. Um, Thank you so much for your time. All right. Thank you. This episode was made in partnership with the University of Florida's Department of Agricultural Education and Communication. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Boundless Science. We hope you listen to more episodes on our website, StreamingScience.com. Have a great day.